Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. Guess what? I have another fantastic guest for you coming in hot. Don't forget to check out our advertiser, the Alliance for Shared Health, over at StacyOnTheRight.com or the banner ad at FamilyVisionMedia.org. Right now, I'm so glad to have with me my buddy in arms over at Newsmax. She and I often appear on panels together. She is a former Nevada GOP chairwoman, TV political pundit, and Republican strategist. She wears the blue check mark on Twitter, and proudly, I must say, you can find her at Mrs. T106. It's at MRST106 on Twitter, and her feed is amazing. You're going to stay up to date if you follow her there, and I would because I already follow her there. I have Amy Tarkanian with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's an honor, Stacey, and I absolutely love appearing with you. I love how you and I do not sugarcoat things. We do not skew talking points, and I love that you just tell it like it is. Yeah, it's uh, we, we get our mom energy going when we're on the panels together, and I got to tell you, it's it's fun because I, I feel like with some of the panels, we get to play off of each other and we come from different backgrounds, obviously, but we have a lot in common. And that synergy is really fantastic on television. And Newsmax does such a great job of not just pairing the panels, but also having a wide variety. Um, and so that that makes a huge difference, especially for their audience, but also for getting the truth out there. And you're especially sharp at getting the truth and getting straight down to the nitty gritty. Oh. Which is why I want to talk to you about Fauci and like what what should we believe today or better, what is he believing today? Because he's flip flops so much. And you have Rand Paul, who has been talking about Fauci. He's been jousting with him. He's been taking him on, battling Fauci down to get to the truth. And so we have these newly released documents that prove Fauci lied about the National Institute of Health supporting gain of function research at the Wuhan lab. I have to tell you, I'm not fainting over here. I'm not falling out. I believed it from day one. As soon as I learned what gain of function research was, Amy, I knew that he was involved in it. So what's your take on this? Well, you know, it's unfortunate that he's actually still in that position. He is misleading so many people. And we now know it. uh, I was telling you this earlier. I've been using the two words incompetent and uh, intentional. And I don't believe that this has anything to do with incompetence. I believe that this is all intentional. And the reason I say that is because you just said, I mean, what does he believe today? The guy flip-flops. He's all over the place. It's like, we're going to have one booster here. Then we're going to have two boosters. Oh, um, we don't know if pregnant uh, people can take it. Uh, and that's what they use as pregnant people. And I'll get into a story about that later. Um, <laughs> it's just they're all over the map. And he's he's the mouthpiece. And he's enjoying this way too much. He should have been fired. Unfortunately, you know, he wasn't by former President Trump. Um, but this guy's got to go. And I'm so proud of Senator Paul for standing firm and calling him out. And not just calling him out, but literally calling him a liar. And that's what he is. And the fact that we're now finding out that he was involved with the gain-of-function research. I mean, there was a grant proposal that included the document for a project titled Understanding the Risk of That Coronavirus Emergence. Hmm, that doesn't sound normal to me. And it was $3.1 million uh, that was awarded. I mean, this is, this is incredible. The fact that they're still going around saying, oh, no, it didn't happen. I mean, there's, there are so many things that this administration is lying about 
and they just keep pushing right through like everyone is stupid. And thank goodness for social media, because that we all know that can be a blessing and a curse. But with this administration in particular, I believe it's a blessing because we're seeing in real time these evil people at the top getting caught in one lie after the next. And that's going across the board in almost every issue that you can pick. Yeah, so I I love that you're highlighting um first of all how strong Senator Paul has been who is also, you know, an MD, a practicing MD. So he comes to the conversation with experience and also a knowledge base that is actually greater than Fauci's e- even though Fauci has been in government in that role for over 30 years, he doesn't have the real world experience. He's he's strictly into research and epidemiology and you know virology and these are these are not you know, we can't scoff at his i guess his historical background as a scientist but um the fact that he is lying about the gain of function i i i prefer my villains and despots to be proud monologuers you know in all the cartoons the the villains monologue and during the monologue is when the hero who's usually captured and maybe bound up is able to escape and so it's us the american people we're captured and bound up and Fauci is the evil villain and he's monologuing and his eyebrows are extra sized. He's really short and tiny, but he's extra evil. And he's supposed <laughs> yeah. to claim, right? He's supposed to own it, Amy. He's supposed to say, yeah, I funded, uh, you know, gain of function research because I believe that we could create human mice hybrids or something like that. That's actually true. They've been experimenting on that. And the reason I did it is because I wanted to save all of humanity from coronaviruses. And then, you know, we may not appreciate it. We may disagree with him, but we can at least admire the audacity that he displays. But instead, he chooses to flip-flop and lie and then forgets he works in a government bureaucracy where all of his records and emails are subject to, you know, basically requests. And then when we learn that he's lied, he just goes out and lies again. Yes. So he's not even a good villain. No, he's not. He's a terrible villain. But he's he's a, um, a lucky villain. And I say that because he's got CNN, MSNBC. He's got New York Times. Everyone else to not for him. He lies so much so often that I don't even know if he can keep his story straight. But he's got everyone up in the mainstream media to kind of keep him on their track, um, their goal. And it, it's mind-blowing to just watch the amount of untruthfulness just spew from his mouth on a regular basis with a smile. So let's talk about an interaction that you had. You you were on one of these important calls and there was an opportunity for them to kind of set the record straight and, and get information out to the public. Tell us, what call did you join and, and what was it about? Tell, give us all the details. Oh, yes, sure. So you're talking about there's a Twitter space. And what Twitter space is, is people will host um, a group and there will be a topic that, that is the main uh, discuss, uh, main part to discuss. And so the U.S. Surgeon General was actually the guest for this particular Twitter space, and it dealt with boosters. And I thought, wow, this is really important. I hope, you know, I, I can learn something and, and uh, ask some questions, because I did have some valid questions. One, I wanted to find out, because our family chose to be vaccinated, except for my one son, who's going to be 12 at the end of the year. Well, he had an ischemic stroke at the age of five. And so I'm concerned about side effects of blood clots. So Mm -hmm. there happened to be a number of doctors on this same conversation. And I thought, what a great opportunity. I can get some feedback. 
And then my other question was, how effective will these boosters be and how often will we have to take them? Because my husband and I, we actually had COVID at the very beginning of the hard lockdown. Then two months after being fully vaccinated, we had breakthrough cases. So that doesn't um, sound like it's very effective. So I had some valid concerns and they did not take my questions. Um, all they did was literally missed, it was a missed opportunity to educate. And then, I mean, there was probably thousands of people on this conversation to listen. And because I am a blue check, uh, I have a blue check mark on Twitter, like you mentioned in the opening, I'm placed at the top. And so they, they could see that I was there. Um, they could see that I had my hand raised, uh, you know, so to speak. And um, they only chose to take two questions. One was about mandating vaccinations uh, nationwide in school districts. And then the second one was from an OBGYN who wanted to let people know that it was okay, the vaccination was okay for pregnant persons to take. It was total propaganda. No education at all. Nothing new to share. not, nothing even about, hey, you should make better food choices and let's get people out exercising. Um, nothing. It was awful. It was all propaganda. So this is pretty typical now because I think one, one of the things that a lot of Americans are interested in is like the, the question that you were going to ask kind of it, it refers to it. And you just described the situation that a lot of Americans are in. They've had COVID. So we have seen research that has not yet broken through the mainstream media sphere, research from the Cleveland Clinic. So eminently respectable health and medical organizations have reported that um, if you've had COVID-19, you have a robust immunity that survives months and months and months post-COVID infection. And that if you have that, you probably have a better immunity than if you have the COVID-19 vaccine, but they haven't even shared with the larger public that taking the vaccine actually wipes out your COVID immunity from before and makes you susceptible to breakthrough cases. Now you're a perfect example, you and your husband, you're a perfect Mm -hmm. test case example where I, I would love to see you and Danny on CNN, MSNBC, not as political commentators, but as Americans who've done exactly what they ask you to do. They literally said, Take the vaccine, even if you've had COVID-19. Right. And Stacey, let me take it a step further. Our oldest daughter, we moved her to um, Honolulu because she's attending the University of Hawaii at Manoa. And we moved her there um, over the summer. And I don't know if you've been to Hawaii lately, but it is very, they have very strict rules. You have to go online. You have to register. um all of your information, your air flight, how long you're going to be there, why are you going to be there, um, where are you going to be staying, um, why are you staying where you're staying. I mean, literally, it was like almost everything but hand over, you know, your firstborn. Um, and then you have to have you have to have a negative test, even if you are fully vaccinated, and it has to be a specific test. And so we got all of that accomplished. You have, of course, have to wear the mask. Right. Everyone's talking about, oh, you need to wear a mask, you need to wear a mask. We actually caught our second round in Hawaii. So after all of those strict rules and regulations, what did it do for us? 
nothing. You still caught it. So I so just, I said, <laughs> but I, but I'm sitting here listening to that. It sounds very similar to, and I think you and I have even uh, discussed this on air. Sounds very similar to how in states where there's very little gun control, there's also a correspondingly low amount of crime. And in states where there's massive gun control, like down to the, the very letter, uh, lots of rules and regulations, there's higher crime. So the more they try to regulate gun ownership, the more crime there is. And it seems like the more they try to regulate COVID-19, the more COVID-19 there is. And for states that, you know, understandably respect the virus and allow people to get vaccinated, but also allow people to make those decisions for themselves, the COVID-19 seems to be very well managed in the, the aspect, Amy, that it can be managed. Because I, I, I find it interesting that we don't try to manage the flu or HIV mm-hmm. or even, you know, STDs. I mean, I, I saw a meme online that said, you know, if, if my server needs to know that I'm vaccinated in order to serve me, I need to know if they've taken drugs within the last 48 hours, you know, illicit drugs, if they yeah, have yeah. you know been tested for STDs. If they, and, and it's such a great meme because it's stuff we don't think about. Have, have we ever thought to say, hey, if, is your hep vaccine up to date because you're serving me, you know, you're serving me food. <laughs> we never say that. We just no, our servers serve us. It would be interesting to find out, you know, what what is what is the actual cut of of all of these tests that are being distributed to to our our younger generation because my I have two I, well, I have four kids in all, but two of them are in high school and they're both athletes. And neither one of them have health problems. Neither none of my kids are overweight. And um, except for the youngest one who had the stroke, no one else has any underlying conditions. And even though uh, they have been vaccinated, they still have to test weekly. Why? Why do they have to test weekly? Why are they doing this to our young, healthy students? Who's getting paid? Who, I'd like to know who's, getting, who's making the cut on these tests? Because a lot of this doesn't make any sense. It's senseless, but we also see it on both ends of the spectrum, right, Amy? The the the, the spectrum is um, no matter what you do, whether you're vaccinated, you are still submitted to everything. As as you're describing with your two teenagers, we we also we have three teenagers. Well, actually, two of them are young adults; they're not teenagers anymore. And one teenager, they're all very healthy. Um, they're thin. They're not. They're not overweight at all. Um, one is an athlete. She actually, you know, does a, a, a sport in college. She's subject to additional testing because she's not vaccinated. Um, also, our, you know, our son, he does have medical issues, but they're not related to weight. And then our youngest, you know, she's not subject to additional testing, but she's not vaccinated. And everyone on campus is wearing masks. So it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or yeah. not. You still have to wear the mask. So um, the big deal is there are some other like underlying things with the vaccine for young men namely the myocarditis the you know the basically your heartbeat starts racing yeah, and, the and heart. it's yeah and it's this is not a treatable thing like once you have it you have it so in the balance you have to say to yourself which of these two is a greater risk and so for some people they're choosing to be vaccinated and i i actually hold the distinction among i think you know individuals who speak publicly of saying hey if you're vaccinated awesome if you choose to get vaccinated in any time, awesome. If you choose not to get vaccinated, awesome. Because I actually, first of all, don't want to know all of your personal medical information, nor right. do I care. I feel like I just want to, I just want to manage Stacy and, you know, tangentially the three kids. And, you know, my husband is managing himself and we, we consult with each other. But more importantly, we consult with information we can find online to inform ourselves and our physicians and then go from there. 
We're not seeing that, though. I, I think the example you gave of this Twitter space where the Surgeon General of the United States only promotes vaccination and does not talk about the immunity and how robust it is, that's mm-hmm. where the rubber meets the road. And it's also connected to this, this idea that ivermectin is only horse medicine when it is actually used on humans. There are two versions. Also the same with aspirin. And almost every other medication, there's an animal version because animals need pain management. They also get treated for a lot of the things humans do. That's another part of this. No, absolutely. And uh, I have a, a girlfriend of mine whose husband um, works for the DHS. And when this all first started, she called me. She took a screenshot of the medication that her husband had left on the counter before he had to uh, go back out into the field. And she's like, Amy, Mike left this. Um, we're supposed to keep it on hand in case of emergency. She's like, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know how to pronounce it. That's hydrochloroquine. So the government agents were handed hydrochloroquine at the get-go for their family. And this was in the beginning of the pandemic? Yes. So regular people can't get it, but the government agents get it. And I believe every member of Congress and the senators were able to access it as well if they wanted it. Because yeah, and then you had the problem in Nevada where supposedly there were doctors that were, um, you know, keeping it for themselves and stashing it and selling it on the side. And so our governor actually denied us from being able to access it. It was a big mess. I think it still is because, um, you know, Joe Rogan talked about how he'd had COVID-19. He said, I threw everything but the kitchen sink at it. And he was well Mm -hmm. in days. And if you think about the now, obviously, Joe Rogan, you know, he's a celebrity. He's nationally known. He's going to have access to doctors um, who, who are going to basically they're going to treat him as aggressively as possible because being his doctor and having him pass away would be terrible yeah. for their business. Right. Um, but that right. that demonstrates a double standard because any person should have their doctor because I've, I've also seen stories that I've not been able to validate because no one will tell you that major medical systems are telling their doctors you cannot prescribe hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Well, that to me goes against the doctor's maxim to do no harm because if you're not allowed to prescribe something, which off book is normal, like off book use of uh, prescription drugs is is completely normal in this country. It's what they do. Um, Then that means you are actually going to be doing harm to patients who need a medication, but your boss has told you you can't prescribe it. Yeah. I mean, Whatever happened to the whole cry of, you know, my body, my choice? I mean, <laughs> you can't just pick and choose when you can use that motto. And we should have the right to try, right? I mean, it's it's your life. And if we know that it's out there, we should be given as many options as possible. Because if, if you are at the point of, say, where you need to be put on a ventilator, God forbid, because I don't know one person that has actually survived from being on a ventilator. Um, I mean, I, I would do everything possible. I would take horse medicine if I had to before getting on the ventilator. Legit horse medicine. I mean, I just think people are so desperate for help and for information, good information. And this administration is intentionally keeping it from us. And it's really, really devastating because I, in, in like two months, I had nine people die from COVID. Could some of these been saved? Possibly, if we had this information. But it's all coming out so slowly. I mean, it took the CDC almost a year just to tell us 
that uh, obese people were more prone to passing away from COVID. Why did it take them a year to tell us that? Well, it's not popular to say bad things about people who are overweight, but I'll tell you what, Amy, I was online and I, I noticed the trend and it was like routinely discussed among functional medicine doctors that obese people have complications, severe complications, comorbidities um, with COVID-19 and also people who have low vitamin D. Now, I have always had chronic low vitamin D and I'm overweight. I'm not obese, but I'm overweight. So the first thing I did was I, I started hunting around for a doctor who would assist me with getting my vitamin D levels up. And now I'm in a range of vitamin D sufficiency that I've never, ever had in my entire adult life. But I focused on it because I don't want to catch COVID-19. And if I do, I don't want it to be that negative, you know, comorbidity of being low on vitamin D. I also, you know, right. got my hands on some uh, some zinc and, you know, we have vitamin C here. And so I'm taking my supplements. I'm I'm doing what I can. But most Americans are not going to do a ton of research. They're just relying on the public sphere to, you know, get the information out and telling people, hey, you need to start working out 30 minutes a day, four or five times a week and get your cardiovascular up. You'll slim down, drink more water, eat more, like seven cups of, of salad a day. The weight will start to come off. If it's not coming off, check your hormones. Your hormones might be off. These are all things that people need to hear because it's life-saving measures, but it's also an improvement in the quality of life. I, you know, losing weight has made me feel better. Now, I still have a ways to go to get where I want to be, but the closer I am to it, it the, the harder I'm working on it, um, the least chance I have of having that negative outcome with COVID-19. It's an information war. And the leftists and those who want to just make the pandemic a plandemic, like uh, Jill Psaki said a week ago, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's happening. We're, it, the warfare is in information. And for people who are just relying on the mainstream media, they're losing that war. Well, and they're, they're counterproductive because when, they, when you've got organizations and places of business promoting jabs for donuts, jabs for hamburgers, jabs <laughs> for a pint of beer, I mean, come on. This this really should be a, na- a nationwide campaign on, do we need to reintroduce the food pyramid or maybe a new version of it? I don't know. Do we need to, uh, I mean, I remember when my kids were little, and I think it was on Nick Jr., they would have a timeout, uh, like, hour or whatever, telling the kids, okay, you need to turn the TV off and go outside, play for an hour, we'll see you when you come back. You know, I mean, do we need to do that? Do we need to really dumb it down? To that level where we have to just remind people about the basics on how to take care of yourself, because it seems we've forgotten those things. Um, and this administration is not doing us any justice. <laughs> yeah, but for me, as a mom, whatever it takes. If that's what it takes, if we need <laughs> CNN to, to put up right? a little Chiron, get up and go walk for 10 minutes and come back. Now, they would never do it because they would be panned by the woke mob. But the fact is, all of these things are our responsibility, which is, I think, the thing that galls us the most about being told we need to take a test every few days or, you know, being forced to wear a mask instead of them saying, hey, you know, people will wear a mask if they're sick or if they feel, you know, compromised. Um, that's that's the point here. And, and so that's what makes it so fantastic that you're out there swinging the hammer of truth and getting a lot of traction. Uh, I love to see your stuff go viral and, and that you're able to get a message out there that is so important and I'm so glad you were able to join us here today. One of the best things about going on Newsmax is that I find the best guests as well. I'm sitting there listening to my uh, co-panelists talk. I'm like, I got to get that person. 
So Amy Tarkani, <laughs> former Nevada GOP chairwoman, TV political pundit, Republican strategist, mom, wife, so much great information that you're putting out at Mrs. T106 on Twitter. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Stacey. I had fun. All right. We'll talk again soon. All right. So I want to tell you one more quick thing before we disconnect on the podcast today and make sure and find me on Twitter at Stacey on the right. Um, you have options. You do not have to submit to uh, the Affordable Care Act if you're looking for health insurance. Um, we're talking about the Alliance for Shared Health, which isn't actually health insurance. Rather, it is health sharing. It means that you join 40,000 households who are participating in this. And as a member, you share in the financial burden of healthcare expenses, including needs sharing for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. Open enrollment is now. Don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StaceyOnTheRight.com, click the banner ad, and sign up now. StaceyOnTheRight.com, check it out. The Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare, changing lives. So I'll be back with you shortly. More guests, more news and information, more Stacy on the right. Thanks for being here and God bless.